I'm Alexandra Kreis and you're listening to Outer Travel in a Journey. In my own search for self-understanding, I have met people from all walks of life. I bring to you a taste of these encounters. Welcome back to the show, Outer Travel in a Journey, here today with Natasha Nandini. We've done an off-camera conversation this time to let the juice really flow for you. Enjoy. Hello. Hey there. Hi. Blue lady. <laughs> Look, I just put a little bit of tempera in the background because the pooch is snoring. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought um, I'd just have the tempera going so that you might not be able to hear the snores. Okay. Oh, that's a nice picture of you. Mm, that's lovely. That was after the one shooting, and then we went out the next day, and then we needed some more photos in the nature when we walked with the dogs. It's lovely. Thank you. I like your blue one as well. You're not in there. You, your most favorite position to be seen in with a leg raised. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be that way. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyway, look, I haven't spoken to you for ages. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm entering this new kind of way of being. It seems I, I'm working with somebody on an energetic level, and it's really good. It's really good. It, it's giving me time to shift, and it seems to be radiating through uh, the compliments that people tell me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm, um, I've been going through quite a few, like, transformations also. Um, good. I'm good. I really realise in this period how important it is to, to be able to meet those people that, that you resonate with, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. fine with the Zoom and everything, but there's just no comparison. Mm. Yes. Um, so, you know, when you're out, when all your friends are all around the world and you're kind of on your lonesome, then you, mm -hmm. you only realize how, um, important being with them is when you get back in touch with them. And then you realize how they really make you who you are. <laughs> how do you notice who you are? <laughs> well, because you know, the mind is stable and everything is free. Yeah. Mm. Everything is beautiful. Mm. Yeah, everything is easy, you mean, right? Yeah. Everything becomes more easy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what happened to you? What's happened? Because you said so much shifted. I mean, we don't need to, to use that for the, for the um, podcast mm -hmm. here. Just wondering. Well, you know... Um, I think like also being, you know, hitting menopausal age, you know, the vata comes in and like you, you, it sort of creeps in. And then, you know, with the moving house and everything, just everything vata, vata, vata. So the mind then, you know, then it takes a few months to kind of settle. But, you know, the underlying current is that if you're, you know, in, in a new place where people are, are not, your people if you see what i mean mm. they're a different type then and there's no one with you to kind of consolidate who you are or who yeah. you've been etc then it's really hard to kind of it's hard to ground you know just get that that grounding and earthing happening and then um sort of bouncing off that you can be just like without an anchor flowing in the ocean <laughs> yeah so easily so yeah Absolutely. Um, I think this is one of the devastating things around uh, menopause, you know, like a lot, a lot of us, we kind of still hope to slip by, it'll be okay. I think there's mm -hmm. not an, a lot of information out there and what you need to, 
to be aware of and how you actually are forced to change your life truly it's almost like you know a new handicap I don't want to say like we're sitting in a wheelchair you know like losing your legs but it becomes something that you thought will never ever happen to you I mean I spoke to a very reasonable friend I mean she doesn't do spiritual practices as such she is a spiritual being in herself funny enough you know but she was uh, saying like how she can't memorize things and she is super smart she is somebody who's been um unfortunately working herself on both you know on so many ends of um having to deal with certain things she has family and managing the family but she's been really full on all the time i know her since i'm in my 30s i think yeah so 20 years and this is the first time I see her like, huh, what did you say? Huh, what's yeah. happening? You know, like, I, she, she just went into a complete different space. And she says, this is my perimenopause coming in. I noticed, you know. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, you know, just to, on the couple of things that you said, I would say, uh, to I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a handicap. It, perhaps a handicap from the lifestyle that we've known. But it mm. seems that it seems that, you know, it's just we have to say goodbye to certain things so that we can say hello to the new things that we will get from this stage. And I, you know, mm. so recently I've been kind of connecting it to, you know, in India when they, you know, the they go into the forest for the last stage of their life. Mm. And that kind of in a way makes sense because you can't be doing with so much of that lifestyle not lifestyle but just all the things that life in inverted commas demands of us it's just not mm. possible it's not possible no and you know what I have noticed like so you know like the I mean there's still grieving going on and that was another thing that kind of mm. you know pulled me off without completely unaware but <clears throat> the inability to focus on the singing because the singing demands so much focus that um you know it's like a yeah. cat 22 because you need it to keep you steady but you can't access it because the mind is like completely all over the place mm. and so that's why it was nice to have Kirsty for the singing part it was really nice because she's been a student of the singing for like a really long time and you know so to sit with her and to really start singing again I really noticed how mm. I just know you know that you know just the sargam the paltas all that kind of stuff it, it mm. really is mind exercise mm. and so you know I've, I've pulled it back into a part of the practice and yeah, the mind is definitely much more at ease now. Mm. So for me, it's just, it's an imperative. To sing. To sing, yeah. Yeah, it's funny how that is. Um, as you're saying, um, referring, coming back to the first thing that you said, you know, like it's like to close the door and open, to, to invite in something new that is very well said. I think that's very, the last it, you know, like it's it, it's that philosophy of life, and I I think I speak very much from a householder view sometimes. You know, where it becomes you want to invite something new, you know, and you you want to be in that forest, but you can't because there is blah blah blah, blah going on. You know, yeah, there's the yeah. kid and yeah. the dogs and the husband and the livelihood that you have to provide for and so on and so forth yeah and that is a very very tricky in honestly speaking between you and me you know like i think this is the tricky part where spiritual practice sometimes seems so unattainable for women who are engaged with kids you know and they feel the onslaught of menopause and they feel the onslaught of wanting to shift their life, but it's not as easy. And I'm not saying that um, I don't know how it is to be single anymore any longer, mm -hmm. you know, from that perspective. And 
where it becomes such a, a point of radiance and choice that you that we do so that's the one thing that came to mind on that level and as for the singing yeah i know that is such a conundrum you know the more i want to move the less my body wants me to move <laughs> and the more i want to sing the less my concentration allows me um to sing i totally get what you're saying it's and this is an interesting step into a new practice for me i don't know how you experience that you say like it's you know like it's a it's something that you have now booked in for yourself again as a stable coin to to what you do in your rituals um but you know, it, maybe it's also an invitation of seeing how we can be less rigid around these things so they can come and meet us right. instead of us using them, you know? I completely agree. And so, you know, like, it, I would say that my, my singing practice really, as it was, stopped about two years ago. So I would touch it, but I could see that the mind was going through, like it was just rejecting it. I couldn't, mm. even, I couldn't even listen to stuff. Like I literally couldn't, I haven't listened to music mm. for two years. <laughs> you know, like the mind was so, like I'd switch it on, I'd go, I don't understand. But because you're on your own and, uh, you know, there's no one to kind of sort of say, oh, that, that's different. You know, you're doing that differently. You kind of, you clock it, you register that you're not wanting to uh, listen to music, but you don't go any further with it because there's, you know, you, we need people mm. to bounce off and to, yeah. to talk to th uh, things about. So, you know, you talked about rigidity and yeah, I knew during that period, I knew that I had to break all those rules and regulations that I had learned Mm. You've got to do it like this, and then this comes after this, and then you have to do this, and then you have to do this. Because it was mm. it was really restricting me. And it was also making I'm not a performer, you know. Mm. And uh so, you know, it was just I could really see how it was a restriction. And so this period of not singing has broken that momentum of how mm. are supposed to have been. And now that I'm singing, I know that I'm just enjoying it. And like a friend of mine who's also, you know, he's a Drupad singer and whatever, he's like, don't do the, don't do this, 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 and this. Just sing for the sake of singing, just sing. And then, you know, my other so close friend in Banaras, he was like, I told him I hadn't been singing. And he's like, a little bit, sing a little bit, you know, don't do it for anyone, <laughs> just, do, just do it for Mahadev, you know, sing for mm -hmm. sure. And, you know, and then I said, okay. And because, you know, we have such a, a strong relationship and I respect him and I, you know, because I'd said that to him, I'd said, okay. The mm. next day I had to sing because I said, well, I'd be <laughs> lying if I didn't, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's coming to it from a different, having broken those ties to how things, how I should do things, I can now just do it for the sake of, you know, pure enjoyment. And, you know, I'm sure I've talked to you about this before, but, you know, in the Amanask yoga book that I, I was translating for a while, the very first, and not just that text, but loads of texts, the very first sentence is, you know, I will give you the answer to everything you've asked for because you want to know just for the sheer delight of it. Oh. And, you know, the point is, is that you're not wanting this information because it can give you this, this, and this, and this. You just, you want to know because, because for the sheer beauty and, and love of it, you want to yeah. know. You know, and that oh. is the key. That is the key. And I think that is exactly a point that I've been discussing and negotiating in all my own healing work and work with myself lately. You know, I'm, I'm arriving at that um, insight that, you know, like at the heart of hearts, we all do practices because they give us a certain output. You know, even if you do your yoga 
practice it makes you mentally stable but it also gives you a nice ass and <laughs> strong arms and you know and you you don't bear too much weight so you fit into clothes and uh, it gives you also the sense of security yes i'm doing something for myself and all all that is missing the point that you just made you know the point of delighting and reveling in existence in in presence so to speak you know and presence just being here and having all this and enjoying all this and having access to these things you know like the capability of movement mm -hmm. or of uh, receiving sound and vibration and all that yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know uh, and just following on from that you just reminded me of uh, uh, like uh, someone said and it could have been Gurdjieff but it might not have been so I'm um, not sure but it's so it's a process and he says or whoever said it says that first you do the wrong things for the wrong reasons mm -hmm. then, then you do the right things for the wrong reasons and then you do the right things for the right reasons so it's like a process that you kind of you go through and I suppose at the end of the day, you get to that point where you're doing it for the for the reveling in it. Absolutely. I have a question here for you, and that might be part of the interview already. But um, and what we said earlier is also lovely for that interview. But what is it that makes you not want to be on video? I just heard something around like, you know, because you want to go back into voice, you know, and so watching you is something different than hearing you you know it's know. funny actually yeah because um i just notice how i am when i watch a video and when i listen to a podcast mm. and i just find that i'm much more able to focus on what's being said and maybe it's just because you know i'm going through these mental kind of yeah, instabilities. I just found that I just found that I'm when there's no distraction from the eye candy, so to speak. Yeah, I am much more capable of uh, of listening. Yeah, so yeah. that was the only reason, and I'm not really bothered. But um, I just thought I'd like to do a voice one today. See how that goes. Okay, that's fine. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> no that's fine and i i do i do know what we what you say because the input the constant input of videos and everything has to move and so on it's becoming stronger and it's not helping at times and i like the idea maybe i just love, fell in love with the idea that we're talking about singing and voicing and also the freedom of imagining what's a, you know Robert Swoboda said that once around that a book at least gives you the freedom to use your own brain <laughs> so listening or reading something gives you a sense of space and in which things can move and so when you see a video you're so as you say you know attached to the eye candy and you got um, already a full served plate there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Useful, yeah. 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 So mm, now the reason why we I wanted to talk to you today in this podcast is that you said something so beautiful that you know also radiates through through your life situation as you are. A, a seeker currently holding yourself by yourself and then you, your teachers have become one of your founding boards I suppose you know a resonance to who you are and then you wrote this on Facebook you know when a when a light goes it's like what did you say around the it was so be beautifully put with the dark hole that you get yeah it was into. <laughs> something like it was actually a quote that I was reading about uh, a star that goes out yeah. so you know the star in the sky in our sky when it goes out or when it dies it implodes 
and basically as it 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 uses up so much energy mm. even more energy than than there is that it creates a black hole and then i just oh. related that to uh, the loss of someone you know who is very very mm. close to me and and it's mm. like that that black hole is created when you lose somebody and you just have to that hole never goes away you just have to learn to live with that hole that space mm. that void is there mm. Mm. yeah and um, and also i suppose you know when you lose someone it's there's also the added shock of when it's a surprise when it's like a yeah what expected that was quite yeah quite uh something to deal with and uh i mean this is this is the first person that has had such an effect on me right um, wow and because that's what i'm thinking you know i lost my grandparents and i heard of certain people's deaths that i knew and they impacted me some impact me more than others but not as deep as what you posted there yeah, to me it seems something that i wanted to get to know through your voice you know what does it feel like how did you arrive there and so on and so forth because i'm sure there's many people out there that don't respect that gravitation that some deaths have and others don't you know so maybe it's also a conversation around that yeah well uh just what's coming to mind with what you're what you're saying is i mean there's so much actually um you it doesn't have to be a a family member like the closeness on a hierarchical family tree has nothing to do with it in my opinion it has oh. everything to do with um with something much deeper that goes beyond what's going on in this life. Um, you can look at it as, well, another way that I was looking at it was, uh, it's like a, a thread in a, in a jumper. You know, one thread goes, doesn't matter where they are, but that one thread is broken and the whole jumper falls apart. And that's what I kind of saw just with the, Uh, losing this person because he was um, he was the head of a, a a large family traditional Hindu family and he he upheld that tradition the tradition mm. and you know so I was mourning here in the UK by myself and they were all there in India and mm -hmm. the others were mourning all over the world but was also very interesting how mourning you you kind of need it's you want to mourn with others mm. because it kind of uh it just helps the process but i mean i didn't have that so what i saw from from being by myself was that if you want to If you want to know something, and this is this is I know that this is something that uh, um, a Native American Indian said. It's it's a quote, and this really resonated with me at the time. And it was, if you really want to know something about yourself, ask someone who is grieving, because they have lost all filters, and mm. they 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 see completely everything as it is as it truly truly is and they can't they just can't lie <laughs> they can't lie <laughs> it just takes too much effort yeah the the grief process is so all consuming that mm. that you you just don't have time to be anyone other than you know there are no all masks fall away and you see how much energy that takes all lying falls away all that takes so much energy that mm. and so you know uh i think i think it's a good thing to remember if you are wow. courageous enough to want to know the truth about yourself mm. ask someone who's grieving well doesn't that make us i mean in a ridiculous way doesn't it make us want that everybody starts to grieve more and 
maybe beyond the grieving to in that grieving process to remember who you what you're saying is like in this grieving process you come to the essence of who you are and you kind of shed all the masks that we all wear and you take away all the roles that you might have to fulfill and in that pureness of being um, you can only reflect you know the pureness of consciousness so to speak don't we want that for everybody in, in, well, in... most people don't want it most people do not want to know the truth and mm. um, you know it's just too painful to see uh, you know who we really are and I, I can I can remember before I came onto this road mm. um, I can remember like being very offended by hearing things about me, criticism, you know, it was devastating yeah. because in those days I didn't have the tools to know that I could change those things. Mm. And so, yeah, most people, mm. most people are not, most people are not wanting to know um, those, uh, those home truths, but, I mean, I do, I welcome them. And, you know, I've said to people, I've said, look, if you if you see me being a D-I-C-K, I want mm. you to tell me. Mm. I want you to tell me because most people won't tell you. Mm. And I'd be grateful. Because otherwise, how am I going to move on? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but, you know, just coming back to the grieving, this this person that 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 passed he was not only special to me but my grieving was my grieving was for me his family but also for the whole of the you know the whole of the world on an indian classical music level because he was such a special person and you know when i when i first met him and his brother they were duet singers when I met them or even when I would see them in Banaras on the street or whatever they would it was like they were they were luminescent they had like you know they just had this this light that was just around them all the time <laughs> um, beautiful so that's yeah. why it was devastating also it was like uh, there were so many different grieving layers going on I mean it was just such a loss such a loss mm. but then you you know then there's it's quite interesting because you know in the in the Hindu um, sort of tradition you have like I mean he was basically cremated the next day yeah and then there's like a 13 day uh, 13 day kind of ritual uh, process and now I'm not a hundred percent sure on the uh, on the exact day-to-day uh, -day kind of uh, process because it's been a long time since it's been explained to me but um, I remember being at uh, being at one of these rituals for the, the the process and you're praying for the soul and the family is sort of the close family is impure for this certain period of time. And then the Brahmin priest comes to the house and acts as he sort of stands in for the, the, the person who is traveling to the next uh, place. Mm. All the people that are, that are there, they're supporting the journey to support it, support the, 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 the journey is, uh, is that, is a good one for the one who is is passing so they give via the priest they give all the things that someone would need to make the journey safe and then the final meal um the final meal where everyone is sitting down and having a feast everyone like the first bite of your feast is put to the side of your plate and you salute that that piece is for uh, the sustenance of the person who's passing in on their next for their mm. travel. Um, so, yeah, I think that ritual is is very important because it kind of helps the mind 
it gives the mind something to rest on to yeah. stay connected um otherwise you know it's very easy to go into a frenzy and also down a hole and that was my very thought there like because you said you were alone and you weren't able to even go to india at the time because of the restrictions uh with the pandemic and would would you have thought of helping yourself in this a little bit further on by creating your own rituals did you do anything the likes well it was actually quite interesting because uh on the day that they were able to take his ashes uh to banaras because I mean, he's from Benares, and that was another devastating blow, is that because of the pandemic, the body had to be cremated in Delhi and not in Benares, which is kind of the most sacred of burning grounds, um, which is an oxymoron in itself. Did, um, did they not allow fire uh, funer funerals there any longer, or why well, was they that? Were in the, 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 the death happened in, in Delhi. Ah, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, the body was cremated in Delhi, but mm. the ashes were taken uh, to Benares. And it was quite interesting because, uh, I mean, I had already started to incorporate him in my, in the people that I salute in whatever I do in my practices. And on that day, he literally ro rose up, smiling down. It was so profound. <laughs> and, then I, and then I happened to see a video on, uh, on Facebook that, that the body, the, the ashes were, were put in the Ganga. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. I mean, his presence is very, very strong. Very, very strong. Yeah. On that note of strong presences, you know, I'll, I mean, you, I don't know, did you do Iyengar? I mean, I learned Iyengar yoga first and then I heard of Ashtanga yoga and I met EKS um, Iyengar twice in my life personally, shook his hand and talked a little bit to him. That was all. Um, and uh, Patabi Joyce, I never met. And there was somebody else, uh, a really big light in this world who went a few years back. But the strange, the strange thing to me was when they went through that processing, through that process, you know, as you say, you know, joining with the light or probably all the rituals that were kind of done for them, they appeared in my life. There were strange things happening, like, you know, things popped up around them. There was some mentioning of, the, I don't know, these little omens or whatever you want to call them, you know, they seem to be appear. Appearing. And I was really touched by the fact that, you know, once you're on a certain path, maybe a yogic path, you and you acknowledge those that have been carving it, maybe, you know, for, for us to see it or witness it and engage with it, that, that they still show up like that in, in your own life. Did that ever happen to you or is that something you're not so familiar with i think that you see so when because i mean we'd known each other for like uh i don't know it must have been about 23 years now mm. and um you know we had we had, as i said i mean they would come to london both of them as as duet singers so, so brothers they would come uh at least once a year and then i would be in india once a year and mm. so and it just so happened that you know we kind of had a connection it was just so there was no I didn't have that in the beginning there was there was not really any reverence because I didn't know that they were famous ah. you know I didn't I just saw them for who they were mm. and I you know of course I the music kind of blew me away and but um but when they so so the connection was there because I didn't look at them as I wasn't a fan in the same like I wasn't awestruck let's say so I could I could have a relationship with them that that didn't 
have that barrier. It was like they could relax because I wasn't, I wasn't going, I wasn't, uh, I don't know what the word is, but I just saw them for who they were. Yeah. But when, first of all, you never, ever, ever forget the moment that you are given the news that they pass. That is like etched in stone. But I also believe that it's like, because now, because now you're never going to connect to them on this material level again, it forces you to really, really hold on and hold on to all those things. It's like, it's like their essence becomes really strong, really, really strong. And I think I would connect that to, so when you're learning, for example, when you learn Indian classical music, if you're a student, or even any Vedic, you know, Vedic studies, anything like that, the, the traditional way is that you never write anything down, never. You, yeah. you just repeat, you repeat, you repeat. Because as soon as you write something down, you become complacent. Oh, I've got it written down in my notebook and you're not really 100% there. You're kind of, you know, you don't have to really, really focus because you, you know, you think that you've got it. Whereas when you're forced not to take any notes, um, you have to be 100% there to imbibe the, the learnings in the moment. And it's the same, it's the same sort of feeling when, when, when they leave, you, you're, you're sort of forced into this, this space of holding on to anything that you can, you know, it's like yeah. taste, the, even like uh, just grasping it without mm. grasping. It's like every, it's the perception from every single uh, sense organ. You, you, yeah. you, hold, you hold on in a way. Mm. But then you have to let go, and then it's it's there on a on an even subtler level. Yeah, and so that is then that is maybe also that part of the loss, you know, that understanding of the in um, of the impermanence of life. We do understand it logically. We see it in front of us. I mean, I can see the tree in front of me losing its leaf, you know, telling me that's one form of dying, but the tree is still there. And in some ways, I think this is how life works for most of us or for me, that I understand it and I can see it and accept it in small portions. Oh, I lost this. I lost this friendship. I uh, I, you know, my favorite jumper died or whatever it is. But when it comes into the recollection of memory and things, we won't be able to ask any longer. Then we come into that understanding of impermanence and attachment almost, you know, that combination of that we're still trying to attach a lot to that impersonation of this you know vibrance that came through the unified field into a living being and then we identify with that being and connect to it that this person um yeah which is yeah the conundrum in which we live i think yeah. there's no solution to it <laughs> i agree i agree and uh you know what we learn is uh, to become less attached mm -hmm. basically how do you become less attached Natasha well you just accept what things are and make the most of what you have mm. because there's mm. always like um, you know the, the attachment is is on a level where we're only looking at it from one tunnel vision angle. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, okay, see, I, I, I like formulas and I like laws of the universe because 
because no matter like I don't like rules but I know that there are formulas and uh so when you if you follow if you follow the formulas you see that there is always there's always only so much energy imagine a hundred percent of energy that one has mm. there is always going to be a hundred percent energy so if you lose something it's a natural law for that to be replaced mm. it has to be replaced mm. so so it's like I mean it's just it's always about trusting in the bigger picture it doesn't mean that one doesn't grieve it doesn't mean that one doesn't feel the pain Mm. But, you know, how long does one grieve? How long does one uh, stay in that thing? Does one actually start to, uh, what's the word when you indulge in it? Mm. You know, there's a difference between feeling the pain or grieving and then actually deciding that they're going to stay there. Yeah. And abuse it almost, you know. This exactly. is the reason why my life is so miserable is because of. Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, what part are you in, in that attachment, detachment, grief? How long? I, I mean, there's, as you say, you like formula. So I, I wonder, is there a formula to grief? Well, there isn't. It's going to be different for everyone. And I think it's really staying just like in the sense of a flower. Each, like, say you've got three three tulips they're each going to flower and come up at different stages but you know when that one is going to flower and you can also see when that one's going to flower it's a different time but you're aware and mm. so it's it's respecting it's respecting that like uh, you know I thought I was over it and then you know this friend of mine who had come to visit said oh let's play you know let's play his Hanuman Chalisa in the car and literally I, I couldn't even get to a minute of listening mm. Mm. so yeah. on one level you could be over the the grief and you can function well I'm definitely the first two weeks I literally was walking from room to room mm. and I and I wasn't going to stop myself doing that because well, I couldn't do anything else. Um, but slowly, you know, it's just knowing what you can and cannot do at the time and being gentle, being just allowing the process to happen because that's also changing you. Mm -hmm. You'll never be the same person after that. No, you won't, of course, as you say, because it's with that black hole, you, it's, it's there now. <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and but i'm still connected to him and also the yeah. other interesting interesting thing that i saw i mean like with all friendships with all you know relationships on every level there are there's good and bad with with the people that you meet or you know there are things that rub you up the wrong way or you go what did they do that what but what i noticed is that and because also someone else that I know uh, just last week actually passed away also mm -hmm. of COVID, um, who I'd known for 20 years, but it was a different, you know, thing. But anyway, mm. what I notice is that you only ever focus on the beautiful things about what that person and your memories and how that person will, everything is just all the beautiful things. And I thought that was really, really poignant because I mean, I, I try and pull that into my, my life now that, you know, okay, we don't know how long these people that we, we spend time with have left, but when they go, maybe I'll only remember the beautiful things. Maybe those are the only things that are important. And so it kind of helps me to focus on those parts of the person. Mm. Mm. In the now. In the, in the, now, now. Yeah, in the yeah. now. And um, so could it be just a, a, a thought that came? Could it be that you also 
feel, you know, like you, you said, you kickstarted, you're singing again because you notice you need it, even though it's it's difficult. But is there not also the the reverence of not letting to go to waste what you learn through your your guide, your friend, your teacher? Well, yeah, there's that. I mean, um, there is that, and I have very, very, very strong memories of uh of his singing because also like you know i, I mean just in case he i used to play the tanpura on on the stage for them mm. and others and so even the tuning of the tanpura i can i mean they they have a special way of tuning the tanpura it's like a one of them like it's very neat it's nisa sasa instead of fa sa 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 so it gives a, okay. it kind of gives a very very as soon as i would play this time for a tuned it just pulls you into this state of consciousness like you yeah. are so awake but it's serious you know mm. it's not the, it's you can be awake with pa sa 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 as well i'm not saying you can't but this is like this is like a serious state of awakeness and um I can connect to him on just remembering those moments. And I remember there, he was, uh, they were singing at a concert in, um, in Calcutta. It was like a, you know, he'd been in mm. hospital, come out two weeks, four hour concert. Anyway, I was sitting in the, in, in the front there. And what I realized in that concert is that what he was doing by singing and his level of awakeness was he like you know the word kshetra which is field like say in the bhagavad gita yeah. they say kurukshetra yeah. and so it's a field it's called the field where the 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 war takes place in in the bhagavad gita in the mahabharata and um that kshetra is a field, and I realized that that was a field of consciousness. And so what he was doing on the stage, singing, was he had got, he was at this space, at this high level of awakeness, and he was using sound, creating that platform, that field, for anyone listening, to meet him there and that was that was what was that was the gift one of the gifts hmm. it's it's amazing when the intangible becomes visible right i mean you said it became visible to your mind obviously uh, but that there is a field out there uh, i totally believe in that too and that happens to me with people you who I meet and sometimes follow or am at a workshop with and they do that I I can immediately see that now because that is so tuned in into me now you know what is that field and what is it not and what is mm. more something reaching for it instead of being in it I totally get you well at least I think I do yeah, and then also just just following on from this, like when I uh, listen to what you say and whatever, that field is reachable, but because it's so subtle, and sound is the most subtle of all the uh, the the things available on this on this material plane of existence that we are in, because it's the most subtle you have to give up something to be able to access it mm. you know and i think i think that comes back to the equilibrium again and the balance it's like uh, everything is um there is a certain amount that we have and in order to access the finer 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 ones we have to get rid of those heavier 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 things that we've been carrying whether mm. it be thoughts uh emotions 
you know, foods, you know, things that are that are sort of keeping us on a heavier plane of existence. Doesn't mean that we give up the grounding and everything and each step of the way it has to be rebalanced and rebalanced and rebalanced. And that's why it's a stayed, it's a step-by-step -step process. And that's where also yeah. on a that makes sense the rebalancing thing makes sense we, we have a friend who got shocked into an awakening process you know as we call it we might call it an awakening process you know or seeing and he got i think what happened to him is that a large amount of who he thought he was was taken away you know yeah. with a very clear inside and he he didn't have time to level that up and he hasn't you know and he's still leveling this up and from the outside you would call him like he is in ptsd you know in permanent in a really deep one mm. um but yeah and so wow yeah mm. so exactly and that's that's basically it's, it's it's a bit of a shock so all that has to be assimilated um that's why it's a step-by-step -step process, yes. Yes, that's why it's better to be a step-by-step -step process. That's what, what they say, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly, it's better to do it step-by-step -step yeah. for that reason. Because yeah. uh, then you'll be prepared. And actually then oh. and the growth, it's kind of, you know, you look back 10 years and you, you, you see where you were, but 10 years, say, for example, when you start on the, on the road, let's say, People want to be there. They want to be right up there. <laughs> but, you know, like that's kind of, um, it's the innocent sort of state, isn't it, of the beginner? Yeah. But, you know, then, then they don't realize all the things that come with it. Absolutely. Tell me, how do you value, I mean, you said this is a, the, they were brothers, you know, so you had actually two teachers. How, how does that leave you with the remaining half? What's happening there? Well, so, yes, I mean, like we're in contact, obviously, and um, he will also be coming to London. It's a big, big shift for him as well. And like, just because he was the second brother, the, and he's also mm. said in, you know, in a documentary about them that his brother was his guru. Mm. Um, and this is his time now. You know, it's like uh, he, he, it's going to be his time to, to shine. Um, not that he wanted that, of course not, because it wasn't like that. And I don't mean it like that, but it's just mm. observing, you know, from a, from a, like a, non I don't know what the word is but just observing it impersonally um you just see how things are shifting 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 their positions and um that space is now filled it's a big responsibility but uh yeah I mean like uh, my my connection is to the whole family uh, especially the two brothers because I spent so whenever they were here, I was with them basically the whole time that they were here. Um, mm. For the whole of their their stay, would I would be there as mm. much as possible, travel with them, and just you know because we had the same way of thinking, and um, you know they mm. we would talk about yoga, we would talk about Indian philosophy, you know, the music, all that, and. I just wanted to be there because most of the things that I learned were not in, say, for example, if they were giving a workshop, would be out of the workshop, mm. you mm. know, or just, mm. you know, in their house in Delhi when, when they're teaching the sons, you know, just, just, it's, it's, it's all. I know what you're saying. Mm. Yeah. Such a privilege to learn on this different level because the connection is there. I mean, it's not a privilege. It's, almost like luck I want to call it that you meet someone like that and you have a natural positioning with someone with so much light and then it's very easy to absorb what they're doing outside what we may worship you know from like the consumer's view from my side you know who loves that kind of music um yeah 
Well, I, I mean, I did change. <clears throat> I made. <clears throat> I also made sacrifices for that, but they were, they were sacrifices. I I didn't see them as sacrifices. You know, as soon as, as soon as I, you know, I was blown away by by the music. I I was at SOAS at School of Oriental and African Studies at the time, and I was doing a degree in religion, and I, I just knew I needed to learn Hindi. I needed to change my degree so I could speak to the, the musicians so that I could, I could uh, you know, really understand them on a, what they were saying. Because, you know, everyone likes to speak their mother tongue. Mm. So mm. most of the, the nuggets were always in, in, in that, that language, not so much in English. And yeah. talking to each other and musicians talking to each other about ragas and, oh, yeah, did you hear, you know, but, you know, in that rag, you know the way that have you ever heard it with this this version and like this kind of thing and like so I'm there ironing the kurta for them for the for the concert and so I get to hear all that information mm -hmm. you know and <laughs> so yeah I did put myself in that position and I was extremely lucky to to be resonating on the, on the level that I just wanted you know that we then became sort of inseparable in a way I didn't want to be away from them hmm. Hmm. why yeah. did you not move to India that would be something that comes to mind now oh well I think um I don't know it's a it's a different it's a it's a different situation living in India and visiting India of course there's a lot of red tape and you know it's like even one of my friends in Calcutta would go you wouldn't survive six weeks if you lived here you know he's like <laughs> so you know because like I mean I'm lucky when I go there I just go oh can you get me this can you get me that I need this I need that whereas yeah. you know, living there it would be a little bit different oh. it would be different True. So, I, I get it yeah well I think that was a lot and there was a lot of beauty in that thank you for sharing your yes, pain you. and your experience hmm. well, thank you for listening and uh, it's all part of the process even talking to you has helped sort of like see things uh well i suppose it's even part of the grieving it's helped me hmm Isn't that what people do when they sit at the bed of dying people? I mean, for themselves as much as for the person that is letting go yeah. of this life form. It's like the listening becomes and the exchange. And it doesn't matter whether it's clever or not, but the right things, they come out and then they help. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, I had like people were calling me. You know, it was nice mm. to have people calling me and... Uh, You know, it would, you know, we would reminisce and do you remember when we did this and laugh and whatever, that's also part of the process. Yeah. But I don't yeah. think that the grieving, I don't know how long it takes for the grieving process. I really don't. Uh, that was just um, a curious question. I know no. that nobody knows. I know But that exactly. nobody knows. That's what just I mean. Just to bring bring the awareness there you know even though you like formulas and there is that um, awareness of that you want to start to be detached from what's the real pain and making it a construct at the same time you have to still listen 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 to whether that is gone or not mm, you can't talk it away you can't yeah, just no, want exactly. it to be over yeah No, 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 exactly. And uh, that's also part of the process is uh, just watching. And it's not even watching to see if it's finished. It's more when it's finished, it will tell you. <laughs> you so, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah it's, really, it's really a privilege, privilege to, to have um, witnessed this process. I mean, I'm not saying it's easy at all. It's not easy. No. I don't think it is, but it is necessary to have these conversations. That's mm. why I wanted to talk to you about it, you know, just to shed some more light on it. Because there, as you say, you need the support of 
people who are grieving at the same time about and sometimes when we don't have it it's maybe also helpful to listen to somebody um talking through this process yeah yeah okay thank you natasha <laughs> thanks alex thank you and again a very warm thank you to all of you out there who've been tuning in and listening and i'm we are always happy to get recommendations or comments by you much love see you in the next show